Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Grateful Eight, the show where we talk about everything from business to sports to family. We've got a good one for you today. we got to pick it up where we left off last week, talking about our goats. That was one of my favorite episodes. I feel like we, we crushed that one. Um, I did reach out to some Chicago fans in my life and ask them, outside of Michael Jordan, if they had anybody else on their list. Um, I'll be completely honest. There wasn't a lot of choices to go off of. There really wasn't. So, Marcus, how you doing, man? Good to see you this morning. What's up? I'm good, man. I'm doing good. Uh, good to see you, too. Feeling uh, rested, feeling well-rested. I feel like I had not been working out for, like, honestly, consistently for a while, dude. Like, I, was, I kind of... I was a little bit frustrated with myself because I had started to get into some of the best shape about, remember when I came back from that wedding, I had, I had been doing a bulk then I cut down and I was like lighter than I have been in like 15 years and, um, feeling great, reached all my goals, but then my back started messing up. Remember my, like my hips, it really isn't my back, but like my hips. And so I couldn't work out for like three weeks. Then I started to feel a little bit better. Then I was gone for 19 out of 21 days. So I feel like, dang, man, like I did all this training for the summer, but then kind of, but then I hopped on the scale day before yesterday and I was only one pound heavier than my low. And I was like, you know what? Let me just get back into it. So I did some calisthenics yesterday and then went for like me and Kylie went for like an 80 minute walk. And I'm like, just about to ease back into it, bro. So feeling good today. Feeling good. Your hair is looking good, dude. It's getting, it's getting long. Got a little wave going on over here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Looks a little you know um, Achilles. Uh, it's like getting like Achilles ish. You know what I'm saying? Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? So hey, I like my it, guy bro. Drake said it best. My guy Drake said it best. He said, uh, "They said they missed the old me, girl. Don't tempt me." They said they missed. They said they missed long hair. They said they missed long hair B. So I'm gonna have Listen, to bring bro, him back. We've been calling for it, man. We've been calling for it. Um, speaking of Achilles, did I tell you that we're getting a uh, another dog? No, that'd be cool. So Caesar, a puppy from Caesar's litter back in Fort Myers, he lives in the Cape and they need to rehome him. So nice. I'm going to take him in. He'll be here like in September. And uh, his so, name like, is true Axe. bloodline of Caesars. Yeah, bro. True like bloodline? his actual, like I, like he could have been my, like once she, she was saying something to be on Instagram, the wife was, and I knew where she was going. And I was like, she was like, if you know anyone, I was like, stop. I'll take him. She was like, okay, God, thank you so much. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, but actually true bloodline. And, uh, his name is Axe. Funny enough. I had wanted to get another dog and name him. I wanted Caesar and Achilles. So I yeah. he might change his name. We'll see. Cool. Well, unfortunately I've been a part of a rehoming dog experience and it's tough, man. It's there's right? nothing fun about it. And, uh, but you know what? The dog's in a better home. Um, our, our home wasn't sufficient for the dog that we had that with all the kids and stuff, it just wasn't a good environment for him. And mm -hmm. dude, now the, the current owner, he's like in a biker gang. It's so funny. Like seeing all the pictures, the guys, we keep in contact with the guy cause we love the dog and yeah. it's, uh, it's cool to like touch base and know that he's in a better place as hard as it was, you know, when we let, when we let him go, but yeah. uh, he's, he's, he's always still a part of our family. Um, we're going to try and figure out a time to get together and see him, but That's everybody's cool, happier dude. because of it, but not a fun process, but anyways, 
Yeah. On to finishing up last uh, episode's topic. We finished up with Sean White, which me and you text a little bit after that because I watched the next episode that night. Bro, it is one of the goriest things I've ever seen on television. And it was at the point of the night where I was kind of falling asleep. And I'm like, we're watching the documentary. And then they're showing. I'm just going to say it's an injury. I told you some details. I won't tell Mm -hmm. the audience because I want them to watch it. But they show an injury. and And I'm like. My brain is like getting confused. I couldn't tell if I was sleeping. You know, like when you're dreaming, but you kind of feel like you're awake and it's like a nightmare. That's what it felt like where I was watching this documentary in my dreams and my dream was like making it a nightmare. No, it's actually what happened. And for like the last two days, bro, it's all I can think about is that injury and how just unbelievably nasty it was. And so uh, you got to check it out on HBO. But Either way, as we finished up, uh, Sean White, number one snowboarder of all time. So we have two topics uh, left here that we're going to cover before heading into our main topic of the day. And so we're going to start. These ones are going to be pretty easy. It's just going to give us an opportunity to talk a little shop about these two athletes. But let's talk about the greatest snow, or excuse me, the greatest skateboarder of all time. Marcus Watts, who is the only one and only name that comes to your mind when it comes to the best skateboarder of all time. I think you said it right, bro. Like who the one and only name that comes to mind. Like I know that there are a bunch of other skateboarders. And once I pull up this list, I'm going to see, you know, top skateboarders of his, I'm going to see a bunch. I'm going to be like, Oh yeah, I remember that guy. Cause I was a, I was in a skateboard and I was in a rollerblading, you know, in line. And um, so when the X game came, I was all over it. But come on, bro. It's Tony Hawk. It's got to be Tony Hawk. You know, it's crazy. We were just talking about this and like I'm wrapping my head around all the sports. Right. And so you start thinking about basketball and it's like most people say Michael Jordan, but then they argue, you know, Kobe or they argue LeBron or whatever. When it comes to skateboarding, there's one man and it's and it's Tony Hawk. And for me, yes, I was totally into the skateboard culture for sure. One hundred percent. But I also was in the video game culture, bro. And. Tony Hawk Pro Skater is one of the most fun games yes. of all time. And so let's just, like I said, let's just chat a little shop about Mr. Tony Hawk himself. Um, obviously, he he is one of the most awarded skater of all time. He has 73 titles, including the top vert skater every year from 1984 to 1996. So a 12-year run where he was just untouchable. Um, another thing that we talked about even a little bit with Sean White, obviously Tony Hawk as well, is the amount of moves that he created that like obviously raised the bar of skateboarding. Um, some of those included uh, the Ollie to Indy, uh, the Gymnast Plant, the Frontside 540, and the Sarin Wrap. I'm sorry, skaters, if I messed any of those up. That's the best I got. Apologies. But I will forever remember when he hit the 900. That's like that was the late in his career is at the 1999 X game. So I was like an eighth grader. And when he did the 900, which is two and a half turns, uh, it had never been watching insane. So what comes to your mind when you think of Tony Hawk, man? Yeah, dude, I would say the same. It's the video game first. And even before, you know, the X games and the X games, because I feel like the X games was like Tony Hawk's, it wasn't even his coming out party because it's just he's like been a doing showcase. It. Yeah. The X games, the summer X games were literally a, when it came to skateboarding, it was a Tony Hawk showcase 
Everyone gets to see him. It's on TV. The video games just, I, you know, at that time, the clothing really wasn't it for me because I was more into the the hip hop, you know, apparel and stuff. But obviously it made me think that Vans were cool. It made me look at certain skateboard brands. You know, it made me want to, you know, start learning how to do, you know, change out the kits on on skateboards and all that stuff, man. It was, um, but seeing him on the video game, you know, in the X games, the first time, I think that's something that I will like never forget. And dude, like, I just want to throw something out here. So I'm looking at this list of like the top 25 skateboarders of like all time or like most influential. And on this list, I'm almost to number one. Dude, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't know who any of these people are. Any. And the ones that stand out are for me, Bob Burnquist. I'm just like names that's now again, we are not hardcore skateboarders. So I'm sure that some of you hardcore skateboarders are going to give us some different insight and be like, what the heck? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> oh, an ad. This is an ad? I love it. Oh my God, it was an ad that came up on the list I was watching. That's why we got a live show, baby. Live show, baby. (laughs) But basically, I was saying Bob Burnquist, Paul Rodriguez, Sean Malto, um, Rob Deerdeck, even though I didn't really see him in a top-tier competitive level, level, I just saw him when he came to reality TV. Eric Costin, those are just names that I recognize. Bob Burnquist stood out big time in Sean Malto. Nyjah Houston, too. He was another one that stood out, and he's still very popular today so just like none of the names really even stood out to me it's just tony hawk and tony hawk alone you know yeah those names you mentioned as cool as they are you know i loved bob burnquist like you said uh Nigel. um there's there's definitely a handful of guys you th- can think of when you think of skateboarding but they just none of them hold the weight and the leverage that um that tony hawk did so speaking of weight and leverage we're gonna talk about golf now once again, quick topic. Number one man that comes to mind is Mr. Tiger Woods. He is by far um, the, the highest acclaimed money-making golfer of all time. It's not even close. Um, Tiger Woods has won 82 official PGA Tour events, uh, which tied him with Sam Snead, who also has 82, which is pretty awesome and uh nine ahead of jack nicholas of course jack nicholas forever was considered the best of all time at 80 or at 73 wins that's crazy too you know you start looking through this 15 majors second all time behind jack nicholas so you know jack definitely uh holds the bar there and i think jack would probably be the second as far as when we start thinking about you know the golfers but 14 and one when going into the final round of a major with least share with at least a share of the lead that's what's crazy to me because golf as you know i don't know how much you've played but you know enough about the sport where like when you have one round and it is like the final 18 holes after a long weekend and that is when he performs at the best i mean we've seen it with all the legendary shots but um he's unbelievable and and whenever i think of golf i think about how he changed the sport and one thing I'd like to hear your insight on is the his ethnic background and how that affected the sports culture, especially during like the early 90s when, you know, and golf just as a sport, right? Like I think it's a very predominant white sport where now all of a sudden you have a half black, half Asian coming in and, and wrecking shop 
and taking it over from a young age. So um, what do you specifically remember about Tiger Woods as you were kind of growing up and, and following along with sports? Yeah, man. First off, golf is, and I, I feel it still is, like one of those good old boys sports. And uh, you, I think obviously we've seen more of it in the last, you know what I'm saying, 10, 20 years. But at that time, you know, and I think this is for anybody in any sport of any ethnicity in any area. Like we talk about um, basketball comps when I was listening back to the goats last time yesterday, I think I was listening to it and, you know, you immediately are going to identify with the guys that look like you or have a background like you. So when you're reminding me of, you know, Mike Miller and some of these guys, I think that's going to be for anybody. And I think that it's important to have that, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, man, to see a, a guy that, you know, was of color and looked different, gave you somebody to, yeah, it made me want to be like, Hey, like the, Wait, maybe I should try this some of this golf out. Look at this guy getting all these people cheering for him. And, you know, he's doing the fist pump and he's got, you know, the cool colors on. And uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't played golf in a while. I- I've kind of been a little bit jaded. I just was speaking to a kid um, whose dad, a dad of a kid on my 12U team who's a pro golfer or a, a coach. And I was like, man, you know, I really need to get a, a set of left-handed clubs again because my grandfather had given me one and they got stolen while I was overseas once. But Tiger Woods, man, of the of all the things he did, you know, the 82 PGA Tour titles, I think the craziest thing, and this is what we're talking about in, like, with the, I think we talked a little bit about this with the Tony Hawk thing, maybe offline, but, like, personal fortune as of 2019, billion, billy stacks. But that's what, the Michael Jordan set that standard with Nike and you getting a percentage of stuff. And that was unheard of the Tiger Woods video games. So yeah. So some award records that Tiger Woods has PGA player of the year record 11 times PGA player of the year, 11 times tour money leader, 10 times. Uh, Ver- Verdon Trophy winner nine times, and then the Byron Nelson Award nine times. So, <clears throat> by far, you know, one of my favorite golfers. I think it's still crazy to me when he does play now, and the crowds that still follow him, and and the fandom that just <laughs> revolves around that man twenty four seven. Came out of price though, right? You know, he's one of the most celebrated athletes that also has one of the rougher track records as far as his past. And uh, I don't know. Did you have an opportunity to watch his documentary on, I believe it's on HBO. I mean, maybe I didn't, I don't think I watched the HBO one. I watched another one on him, but it was like, it was like leading like just up into the car crash. So this one was like, it's everything, right? It's his like upbringing Mm -hmm. and then everything that followed. Oh, okay. And it almost gives you like a sense of why it happened. Like he was a psycho as a kid and he was like, he came from somewhat of like a military background where he, he couldn't really let loose ever. And I've heard this. It was almost like a drill sergeant type atmosphere with golf to where once he got to a certain status, it was like, he never had a chance to like 
you know, have a college experience or like go party a little bit or like have some drinks with friends. Like he never got that. He basically went from just like a kid to like kind of still a kid, but now having all this money and fandom and he's, there's stories about, you know, he's going to Vegas with Jordan and Barkley and those guys, like as like a 20 year old or 21 year old, you know, but he's on like the same pedestal as those guys. And so he's like trying to hang with them and, you know, whatever they do in their free time was probably pretty influential on a young tiger. And, and so as you look at it and like kind of the full accolades, I mean, obviously he has some issues as well, but you kind of, I don't want to say you felt bad for him, but there was definitely a little bit better understanding how he got to that point of making the bad decisions that he was making. And a lot of it reflected like on his upbringing and, it's really cool. Another great documentary to check out uh, between the last three episodes or last three athletes we've talked about. Tony Hawk also has a great um, documentary as well. So um, what's cool, I think for us, as we kind of wrap this topic up, it's fun to see, you know, our heroes as we were kids. Now, like we get to relive it a little bit in these documentaries and, and seeing what they're all about. Um, Tony Hawk's is called until the wheels fall off, which was released in 2022 we just talked about the Sean white one um, and how amazing that one was. And then um, tigers actually came out, I think like a year or two ago. Um, but me and my wife were locked into that one. It's a lot of, a lot of the back story around a lot of different things, which was really, really cool to hear. So um, any final thoughts here as we get ready to uh, wrap up the goat topic, any, uh, any final thoughts? So, yeah. So I, I think it's more of a, of a question. Do you, so, I, so you and I agree that, Tiger Woods, um, number one. But Jack Jack Nicholas is regarded by many as that. Also, just what would your response be to someone saying, "No way, it's Jack Nicholas over Tiger." As someone who's actively the- playing golf, I like hearing your opinion. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it goes back to kind of some of these other conversations we had around other goats is like Jack Nicholas was playing a long time ago, bro. <laughs> and uh the skill set of the other players was a lot different. Similar similar to like why I probably look at Bill Russell the way I do. Cuz he was a monster, but like let's be honest, he was playing against a bunch of average white guys for the most part. And so the competition wasn't quite the same where I think with Tiger, by the time the sport, especially towards the end of his run, even like lately, I mean, he just won it a couple of years ago. I believe it was in 2018. I think was his last major win. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's still competing at a high level against all the evolutions in the sport. You know, the the more golfers that were able to come up. And he was somewhat out of his realm a little bit, you know, as far as being as, as all the stuff we just touched on. So I think like for me, I go I go to long-term dominance with Jack Nicholas had, but I, I have to take into the, the current competition. I have to. And it's the same way. I think Jordan is better than like a magic or bird. Cause like the competition wasn't the same. And that is also the reason people try to argue LeBron's better than Jordan because the competition's not the same. And so, um, that's what I would say. The competition wasn't the same. And that was why he was able to dominate the way that he was. What's your thoughts. Okay. On last so I, I agree with you. And I think that you and I have worked out when I was listening back to last episode, I think that we've worked out how to pretty much squash this conversation. So I came to the, 
to the epiphany because we were talking about the big men and the conversation that pretty much big men translate because if you're talking about a big man that averaged 20 points or, you know, 15 rebounds in this era that had less shooting, less possessions, how it translates. So right now on the tour, there are more events. There are bigger players. The courses are longer. The, you know what I'm saying? It's more grueling. The technology is better too. I guess the question is if you drop Tiger in that time, is he winning? I'd say yes, because he's, because BFS, bigger, faster, stronger. If you drop Jack Nicholas in today's game, do you think that he would do as well? And I think that golf is the hardest. I still say Tiger because BFS, right? But I think golf is one of those where it does kind of neutralize it because skill level is more important than anything because you can be strong. But as we've seen, like with Tiger, you'll start to lose that injuries come into play. But I, I, I would still say Tiger, I think that golf is just the one game that makes it tough to do that translation because I think you could drop both of them in in either era and they would do well. But I'm still going to say Tiger. I would love to see like prime Tiger versus prime Nicholas. That would have been cool. Um, yeah. But I totally understand what you're saying too. I get it. I think, yeah, I'd be curious. You know, I don't know enough about the professional sport of golf back then compared to what it is now as far as like, are the courses harder? Um, obviously the game is still the same in the sense of like you put the ball in the hole, like that's the whole goal of the, of the game. But, um, I'd be curious if like the courses have gotten longer, if the shots have gotten like, there's more sand traps now there's more trees, like they make them more you know harder for the, for the golfers. I would assume so. Um, but man, great argument I'm regardless either way. Yeah. Still taking tigers, my goat though. All right. Well, shout out to all the goats. That was a fun conversation and uh, I'm sure we'll uh, revisit it again here soon. Elevate your fitness game with FitAid, packed with vitamins, electrolytes, and BCAAs, the ultimate performance fuel. Crush your goals and recover like a champ. Shop by using the link in this show's bio to learn more or shop at fitaid.com. Back to the show. All right, B. Really excited about this because this is one of those times where I get to put on my uh, lead <laughs> hat and get to ask you a bunch of questions. And, and I kind of get to let you <laughs> brag about yourself a little bit. Um, and I get to learn from you, which is, you know, it's my favorite thing, bro. So, look, you know, you are a guy that you, you know, you're doing some of the things I want. You got, you got some things I want, right? You got a healthy marriage that you're constantly working at, feeding what it needs. You've got beautiful family, got the house. You you're working more and more every week to create the life that you want on your terms when it comes to financial independence and freedom, work life balance, etc. Health. We have a lot of those things in common that we care about. One of the things that I always love learning from you about is how you manage your family dynamic. And one of those that I want to talk about today, if you don't mind, is how you and your family manage to try to keep and keep, you know, close contact, continue building those relationships and not let distance or time away, you know, affect you guys at all. And I'll give you a little backstory on me as, as to why this is something that's so important to me. So, you know, I'm an army brat. 
So I grew up, you know, 12 years of my life, I lived overseas. We lived in Anchorage, Alaska for two years. We lived in Killeen, Texas for five years, you know, three different bases in Europe. My family is all from Florida. And, and we got some in the East Coast, like North Carolina. Some of our family was up in New York. So, you know, all this time, I never, you know, I didn't have people coming to my football games and, and coming to my basketball games. And, you know, I didn't have Sunday dinners and it was always calls on the phone, you know, and, and cards. And it made me a little bit jaded because in order to not miss people and kind of be sad as a kid about it, I just kind of tried to never almost imagine it wasn't even a real thing and that it didn't bother me. You know, my dad being in the military and being gone for two weeks, four weeks, six weeks, six months at a time sometimes. So as I'm building my family and working toward the next phase of my life, I really want to take from some of these things that you've done. So first off, dude, just tell me a little, tell the audience a little bit about the dynamic that you have and how your family tries an extended family. Cause we're talking to Cole's family, your family, how you guys have kind of formulated this plan and what the goal is for, for keeping, for keeping contact. I think when I go back and just kind of try to analyze why we are the way that we are, I think you just kind of touched on it, right? It's how we're brought up. And so I remember very specifically as I was growing up, all the times that were spent with my cousins, with my dad's cousins, like my cousin's cousins, you know, like, um, there was always reunions. There was always uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving, like uh, New Year's. I have plenty of memories of going to my cousin's house over New Year's, stuff like that. And so I think that it was just kind of something that was ingrained in me from a very young age as far as um, the life my parents lived and the priority they made it for us to, one, you know, see our grandparents on a regular basis. We would my grandparents are from South Dakota. So we'd go up there and spend a week with one set of grandparents. And we'd go spend another week with the other set of grandparents. So I was always around them. Um, my dad only has one brother, but he was close with him, but he also had a ton of cousins. Um, that made it a lot of fun because the cousins were always around and then they had kids that were my age. So it was like my second cousins that were basically my cousins. And so I think that, you know, as you ask that question, two things come to mind. One is like my childhood and upbringing, but then two, how not regular it is, you know, to me, it's all I've ever known is being around my family and extended family and grandparents and great uncles and great aunts and the whole nine yards. And I actually forget how special it is until these conversations come up. And it's like, I don't need, some people don't even have a concept of what that is. And one of the things that I remember specifically was, and it didn't really hit me until this day was in college. Um, I was playing with playing ball, of course, and made it to the whopping kickoff return team and kickoff team. I was a suicide dummy, my red shirt freshman year. And my dad was coming to every game still, even though I was on the field five times a game or whatever it was. And I remember my buddies telling me how cool that was. Like, dude, you know how awesome that is? Your dad comes every game. But to me, I knew nothing different because my whole life, my dad had came to every game. And so it was never a weird thing for me. But that was my first kind of taste of like, wait, what I have is like very valuable. And it's and it's something that I need to like pay more attention to, to and I need to cherish more. And so uh, after that conversation with the buddy, I remember it very specifically. Ever since then, it's uh, 
just something I don't take for granted. And then also now as I've created my own family, made it a priority. And that gives us a lot of opportunity to have fun. You know, we talked about today, my sister's in town. My other sister's on her way soon. It's kind of a surprise. So hopefully nobody heard me. Um, but we're going to surprise everybody. and We're going to all hang out. We got an Airbnb. All the little cousins will be able to play together. Uh, me and my sisters and their husbands will be able to all get together and hang out for the weekend. And so the opportunities there, um, we don't take for granted, but they're also a priority. And I think that's, they come hand in hand and, and they're fun, dude. Like it's so much fun to hang out with all these. These are my people, man. Like, you know, we always talk about friends that come and go. Well, family, they've known me my whole life. So if anybody knows who I am and my character and the way I get down, it's, it's them. So it's always a good time when we all get together. So are you basically telling me never turn your back on family? Hey, my man, Dominique, man, he had, he had it. He knew what he was saying, bro. He knew it. And your boy will definitely Shout be, sipping, your boy will definitely be sipping on a Corona sitting at a big table with, with the family for sure. 100%. Doing this, doing this thing right here. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so that kind of leads me into, um, another question that I want to ask you. So it's a fast paced world. You know, you're talking about you guys kind of slowing down in order to be able to relish those moments. Why do you think people struggle to do that? Cause I, cause, cause I feel like if you ask people, they're going to be like, Oh, well, you know, there's this and there's that. I'll, I'll give you one example. And it's not like, I don't, I don't even know if my sister listens to the podcast, but my, my sister's here in Dallas and we have to do a better job of making sure to, to spend time together. Right. But when I first came to Dallas, um, I was like, Hey, look, I want to do like, you know, Sunday dinners, you know, we can do them, you know, every week, you know, just get together, put on a calendar. We're going to do it. So I was really excited about it. And we did it like once or twice, but then it was like, Oh, this came up. And then it was like, Oh, this came up. So then I was like, okay, well let's, you know, maybe that's too much to ask everybody. Let's move it to every two weeks. And then it was like, just not happening. And for me, I felt like I don't want to force anything on anyone that doesn't want to do it, but it's important for me to try to do those things. You know what I mean? But maybe in the end, I just need to look at myself and figure out a, you know what I'm saying? Some way, if it's important to me, I can't just be like, oh, I don't want to force it on people. You know what I mean? That's just using my own personal example. But, you know, just why do you think that people have a tough time doing it? You know, because you guys are traveling out of state for it. Marcus, why do people get fat? Why do people have a hard time, you know, making healthy life decisions, whether it's you know, exercising daily or, you know, stop drinking, whatever, whatever the thing they're trying to work on, what's hard about it. You got to commit to it Mm. and you got to make it a priority. It's easy to say, well, I'm going to work out every day this week, but then work comes and then your kids come and then you don't feel good. And then you're tired. And then, oh, I got this work project. That's, it's the same thing with family where it's like, for me, I just, it's, so, it's, this is, this conversation is so much fun for me because it's like, I didn't know any other way. Mm-hmm. Like I think about even in college, um, the college town I went to, my dad had some cousins out there every Sunday. I went to my cousin's house and it wasn't even like, I want to say it wasn't my cousin, but it was my dad's cousin. And every Sunday we'd go over there, we'd have lunch. We would do laundry. We would just hang out at their house. And it's like, it doesn't, it never even crossed my mind that there was any other way to do things. And then I think about 
my time in college when like, you're supposed to be this crazy kid, which I was in, in certain aspects, but like, I have a great aunt that lived in, in the town I went to college in. And guess what I did once a week, <laughs> we mm-hmm. did dinner at her house or we, you know, we met up somewhere at a restaurant and stuff like that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I sound, I, I, pro- I hope I don't sound arrogant when it, when it comes to this because of how blessed I am. But like, I truthfully, Marcus, I don't know any other way. And so, a good example of that, Marcus, is my dad turned 60 this year. And me and my sisters, we live all over the country. I got one sister in Atlanta, got one sister in Wichita, and then I live in Arkansas. And my parents live in Nebraska. My mom hit us up about a month before my dad's birthday and said, hey, I'm throwing him this big party. If you guys can make it, let me know. And all of our response was the same. Like, if. What do you mean, if? Yeah. What, yeah. When, when are we coming? And you know what? Our, our married, married partners were all like, yeah, you got to go because they know how we get down. So it's like whatever financial resources I was going to need to use, whatever time, money, whatever, like it, it doesn't matter because it's a priority. The same as it should be for your health as it should be for other things in your life. Like my family's a priority. So it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. And so um, I think that naturally it's just like anything, right? So the more you get used to working out, the more natural it becomes on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So I think for us and our independent families of my sisters and my parents and, and other extended family, I think that getting together on a regular basis is so natural to us that like now it's a, it's a second nature, just part of who we are. It's part of what we do. And, uh, I think that that's the hardest obstacle people have is they don't just commit to it and they don't make it a priority. Yeah. No, that's real, man. Uh, I, I love how you broke that down. So when we're talking about actually trying to implement some of this stuff in, right? I did want to ask you, like, what are some ways that you think people can kind of balance work, their personal life and family time effectively to be able to make sure that they make this a priority and, and leading into that, I guess this is two part. Can you, can you speak a little bit about some of the things that have happened this like spring and summer or this year so far, because I know we're going to talk about holidays and how big that is for you guys, but I did just want to, to give an example this year, what are some of the things that you guys have done or that you guys have coming up? Yeah. So we always try to make a trip out in the summer to go see my parents. Then we do a trip around the holidays. And I think that that's a realistic expectation. I think that's another thing that people got to do is they got to set realistic expectations of how often they're going to see each other. And so then that way there's not a lot of stress or, or anything behind it. But I think looking at the schedule and deciding what we're going to do for us for a long time, it was built around social events. So back home, there's like these big concert series that my parents were a part of. My dad was on the board and stuff like that. So that was always an easy opportunity for us to go home for a long weekend, go to some concerts, have some fun, um, and enjoy each other's company there. Now that I have kids, it makes it a little bit harder to just disappear to concerts for two or three nights in a row. And, uh, so what we do now is, is just make it a priority to get out there for the 4th of July. And so I, we went out there for a week, but because everything we've talked about is ingrained into my family, I had two uncles that were there. I had my grandpa there. It wasn't just like me and my parents. It was like everybody. And I think that, um, that just goes back to 
everybody in my, both of my families, my dad and my mom's side, they just make it a priority to see each other. And so it's like, Hey, what are you doing for the fourth? We'd love for you to come. Yep. All right. I'll be there. And then what's cool too, about the momentum, we were talking about it in relative to the fitness lifestyle happens in, in family lifestyle too. Right. So I have a single uncle. He listens to the pods. Shout out uncle Steven, one of my guys. And uh, we have a, (laughs) we have a lot of fun, but it's, it was kind of cool because I think a year or two ago, he came for the first time. And I remember um, my mom passing on to me that that was one of the funnest you know weekends that he had had. So now it's just like a tradition where, you know, 4th of July, Uncle Steven will be around. And so that's pretty cool. And then it's, you know, kind of guarantees me an opportunity to see him every year. So I think it's just ingrained who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we're not going to dive too much into the traditions, but like my whole life, bro, Christmases were deep. My mom's got six brothers and sisters. And so we were running thick all the kids, all the, all the adults, you know, and we're all crammed in this little house, my grandparents' house. And, uh, it just, it was who we were forever. And so that just continues now, um, as we're adults. So, so we just hit a little 4th of July. Um, we got this weekend here with my sisters, which will be a lot of fun. And then, um, you know, just round out the year, kind of starting to look towards, towards the fall and, and what's to come. Another good one is birthdays. Mm. Um, my kids, now that my kids are starting to celebrate birthdays, that gives the grandparents a good opportunity to come visit. And it's a priority to them. They don't want to miss the birthday. So then they come and that gives us an opportunity to see everybody um, a couple times a year as well. Yeah, no, that's, that's real, man. I think some of the stuff that you said there is important, like, like just that it, it being ingrained. So like, even though it may not be something that has been ingrained with you, you can start to change that, you know, with some of your habits and, you know, with planning and just taking some of this stuff. And I, I like the thought process of like, all right, yo, we're going to do something in the summer. We're going to try to do something in the winter. You know what I mean? I think that's, you know, something at Christmas, something for the July. And now, now again, it's not like this new thing. Everybody can kind of make plans for it. Um, I want to pivot a little bit here to talk a little bit about stress levels because there's some research that actually does suggest spending time with loved ones, spending quality time with loved ones can help to reduce stress levels. So I think some people would kind of argue against this because there's the act of getting there to spend that time. You're traveling, you got three kids, you're going across the country, you got babies crying, you got diapers, you got, you know, whatever. But I I did just kind of want to get your thought process on this because look, there is a certain level of stress that's going to be connected to you making it all happen when you have a big family or large extended families. But just what's your thought on that? You know, quality time and reduction of stress. I think you can make that time, whatever you want it to be. And so, um, if you, bring baggage, if you bring feelings, if you bring thoughts into those scenarios, I think it can Mm. increase those things. I think like you start stressing about, Oh, my mom's going to say this, or my dad's going to think that, or I'm going to see this sibling and they're going to tick me off. And I know they're going to say, you know, when you go into a scenario where you're about to hang out with your family and you bring those thoughts with you, I think that that's where, um, you're just setting yourself up for failure. The same as like, I keep touching the fitness routine, but if you're thinking about a fitness routine, but all you're thinking about is how tired you're going to be and how sore you're going to be, that workout's going to be terrible. But if you go into it thinking how much better this is going to make you feel and how um, you're going to get stronger and healthier because of it, you're going to kill your workout. And so I think that the same goes with your family. I know for me, 
when I go home, I try to just disconnect. I try to stay off my phone the best I can. We try to not, you know, bring our laptops and things like that out too much. You know, obviously as adults, there is sometimes things we have to handle, but I think making it a priority to turn off all distractions and be a part of what is at hand, which is spending quality time with the people I love. And so I think when people try to juggle those things at the same time, or they bring in past luggage, that's where some of that stuff can happen. No, that's, that's real, man. You you mentioned some stuff too about, I think you had to, you know, a bunch of us brought our laptops, but literally I didn't pull it out. Most of us didn't pull it out one time. And that's something that I try to just be more present about in general when spending time with people is okay. My phone's over here. I don't need it. That's actually why I'm not wearing it right now because I didn't charge it. But my Apple Watch has been big for me because getting the data on my Apple Watch allows me to have messages on my phone and allows me to have the ability to call someone. But I'm not taking my phone out. And because it's harder to read the messages on the screen, I'll just be like, okay, well, I just won't even pay attention to it really. And again, if I need to call someone in emergency, I can. But I think that's been something for me that I've really tried to do is like when we go out to dinner or we go out to lunch or we go to meet up, you know, or even if it's just me and Kylie, it's like being actually being present. Like, let me be present in this situation. Um, I, I honestly, bro, I had so many like questions. I had like around like 20, but you've answered a lot of them inside of what some things that you said. One thing that I was going to ask you that you, that I felt like you really covered multiple times was, okay, well, how do you create this? And I think that you said it, it's, it's really just by doing it, you know, and by having clear communication, Hey, we'd like to do this for this. We'd like to do that for that, for your birth, for birthdays this year, what would we like to do? And just having those open conversations. So that way it's not like a last minute thing, you know what I mean? Which can make it kind of tough. Um, and I think that by doing that, that you basically gave us the blueprint. That's how you, you start to ingrain it. I did want to ask you about, let's say people are in a situation you know, financially, you and your family are able to do that. You're able to book tickets, go across the country, go across multiple state lines. I did want to get your perception. If you couldn't do that, you know, sometimes it's due to distance. Sometimes it's like, again, my dad is in Anchorage, Alaska. Dad, I hope that you're listening to this podcast. Leave Alaska, please. We are all asking you to leave so that way we can spend more time with you. Right. Because the trip from Florida, for example, or from the East Coast, where a lot of our family is, bro, that's like a that can end up being a a two day trip. If one thing ends up happening, you know, day and a half trip, if you miss a flight or something gets canceled, you know, let alone the flight itself from Dallas is like, I think, like six or seven hours. You know, so what if people don't have the ability, you know, for finances or just the distance is just too much to be able to do? How? do you think we can maintain strong communications and still spend meaningful time with them? I think that there's a couple different ways to handle it. One is being realistic about where people are at. You know, like for me right now with the kids scenario I'm in, right? Like we can't, we can't go to certain places or do certain things because my kids make it harder to do specific things. Like for right now, I can't fly right now because my son is too young. So like, they need to, whoever I'm like potentially um, setting this up with, you have to start taking that into account of like, okay, does this actually make sense? And then having like good communication around where people are at financially to make things happen. So 
specifically like, Hey, we're all going to go on this cruise. Well, some people have families of six. Some people have families of two. Some people are making a lot of money. Some people aren't making as much. And so I think keeping that open line of communication and this, and just having backup plans, you know, I think for us, I know specifically my family, I won't talk too much about my sisters and what their plans are, but we don't ever want money to be a reason why we don't get together. And so if there is something that is a great opportunity for us all to have a ton of fun and, and make a lot of memories and all that stuff, we would rather take on some of the burden of, you know, others so they can join us. Cause that means more to us than the extra amount of money that we could potentially have to spend to make sure that person gets to come along with us. And so I think as you're looking <clears throat> into setting up different things around hanging out with people, mm-hmm that you care about, you need to understand where they're at, you know, obviously financially, if you're doing any kind of trip and stuff like that, but then also, you know, using resources, FaceTime's a great option. Um, you know, we used to, I know during COVID we would set up like little happy hour times where it was like, Hey guys on Fridays at 3 PM, everybody get on FaceTime. We're all going to hang out. So I do think that there is ways around it. Um, but you know, my, my suggestion would be, if you are able to help provide opportunities for the people that you care about to see them or enjoy things or, you know, take a trip, like use your resources if you have them. So. I think the happy hour FaceTime is a really good one. I think that's one that like anybody can use. You love happy hour. It doesn't cost anything. Conversations, our conversations always come back around to happy hour. You love happy happy hour. hour, Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, like how easy is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Grab a snack, grab grab a drink, alcoholic or not, and just chilling outside or, you know, inside the house. And you're just on the phone with a bunch of people that, you know, and getting to see their faces. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, bro, that's why, like, a lot of times uh, when I call people now, I try to, and I'm somebody that traditionally, because of my relationship with distance and stuff, phones just left a bad thing in me. So I don't, I just hated talking on the phone. And I would rather call, see your face. So once FaceTime came, I'll just like FaceTime you. People are like, are you just FaceTiming me? I'm like, yes, bro. I want to see your face. Like, you know what I'm saying? Even if it's just for a couple seconds, you know? So you know, I think you laid some really good things out, dude. And I appreciate you sharing, you know, some of your, fi- your family dynamic. And uh, I always love hearing about, you know, how you go about things. Cause I got a lot of respect for you as a man. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, you know, I'm excited. We're as we continue to build on this show, you know, diving into some of this stuff, you know, family is one of our pillars and quality time relationships, stuff like that. And so, um, once again, this, this episode was fun because I get to reflect on how lucky I am, but truthfully in my heart, I want that for everybody. Like it breaks my heart when you kind of share a little bit about your struggles. Like I can't imagine bro, not seeing my dad like multiple times a year. Um, same with my sisters and and my mom and and even like, you know, uncles and cousins, like I get to see all of them and I make it a priority. And so, um, it it does hurt my heart when I hear it makes me, it makes me feel good to know how lucky I am, but it also hurts my heart. Perspective. Yeah. It hurts my heart for the people I care about because I do know how awesome it is and and how uh, much I enjoy spending that time with my family. So, uh, good stuff today, man. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Like I said, keep the conversation rolling. As we do, we're 22 episodes deep, dude. We're just getting started. We're just we're not even in our man. prime yet. I know. We're not even in our prime yet. We appreciate you guys listening to The Grateful Eight on this beautiful Friday. A couple more episodes coming for you next week. And then, uh, yeah, we've got some topics down the line that uh, we're laying out that is going to be a lot of fun. So 
as always like comment share and uh we'll see y'all soon thanks for joining us guys